When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Flyer fans? Welcome in. This is Rewind Wednesday. Of course, I'm your host, Sully, and this is Talking Out Loud. If you're new to the program, here's how it goes. I have a whole library of historical content and interviews that I've done over the last few years that's frankly just sitting on my MacBook. So... Uh, in an effort to get these all out to you in the most organized way possible, I decided that every Wednesday before our new episodes on Thursday, I'm going to release a couple conversations at a time. And hopefully by the time we get to the new 2020 season, or I guess this is the 21 season, uh, they'll all be out to you so you can scroll back through. So tell a friend, tell somebody you know, tell a Flyers fan that might enjoy it. But this is our conversation with Kyle Davis. Going all the way back to July 18, 2019, Kyle was in the car on his way back to Dayton to practice for the 2019 TBT when we caught up with him. And, um, and this one's great because this is one of our first player interviews that we did in the library. Um, so it's a little bit more raw, but I hope you'll enjoy it. So welcome in to Rewind Wednesday. It's absolutely great to have you. Enjoy the interview. <laughs> along with the theme of the cast for the offseason, getting former players to come back, tell their stories, figure out what they're doing these days. So I got in the Twitter DMs of our one of our favorites, Drew. Is that, is that fair to say? One of our favorites of all time? Certainly one of mine. Yeah. So we're joined tonight by Kyle Davis on the road back to Dayton. And I can honestly say this is probably the first time we've ever had somebody join the cast from the car. Kyle, what's going on tonight, man? Man, nothing much trying to get through this this traffic and this weather right now to get back to Dayton. Yeah, so you told us right before we jumped on, you're heading back to Dayton. So uh, so what's the plan right now? The TBT's coming up uh, next week, and you guys are going back to uh, – or you said you're going back into the gym, get to uh, get some shots up, see some people, right? Yeah, just getting down here to Dayton to, to see, all, see all my uh, closest friends, the staff members here, women's and men. And just to get in the gym to get prepared for this this fun trip that we're gonna have in the TBT. Yeah. Now, have you met Anthony Grant and his staff before? Um, you know, uh, the coaching staff. And I meant you know, I know you mentioned uh, going back to to say hi to Shauna. But as far as the the men's coaching staff before, have you met all those guys previously? Yeah, I met all the guys. Um, even on my way out, had a chance to really get to know Anthony Grant. Um, had a couple of conversations with him. He told me with open arms, you know, anything I need, you know, I can always call call on him and always come down here and work out and just be around the guys. For sure. And I think that we can definitely start there for the listeners um, just because there's so been so much said about Anthony Grant, so much said about the coaching staff, and especially now going into year three, I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, want to know a little bit more about AG because I think – Kyle, I think I, I, I'm not telling you anything new by saying AG is a bit of a reserved guy. You know, he doesn't put everything out in the open. But when you met with him for the first time, you know, what, what was the feel you got from him as far as, you know, the new leader of the Dayton basketball program? Uh, I got nothing but positive vibes. Uh, a great guy. A guy that 
that that lives by tradition. Um, a guy that played there, he played at the University of Dayton, had a chance to win a lot of games, had the chance to experience, you know, being a player and an assistant coach and a head coach. You know, he made it to the NBA as an assistant and uh, now a head coach at Dayton. So, uh, you know, the, the, the vibe and the experience was was great being with uh, with Coach Grant. Uh, Kyle, I'm, you know, we've talked about Anthony Grant a lot and, you know, a lot of how he approaches coaching because you played under Archie Miller, who he's very famously very fired up, very in your face, uh, very intense, whereas Anthony Grant is, like we've said before, a little more reserved, more laid back. Um, I'm just curious, how would that, would that change the way you would, not the way you would play, because obviously you played one way, but in terms of taking what you're hearing and digesting it and taking that onto the court, how would that differ from AG to Archie? You know, some, um, it, and I joke around, I, we will, me and some of my, my fellow classmates talked about it, but, uh, you know, we're, we're so used to being yelled at, you know, growing up from high school, elementary school, we, we, we were so used to being yelled at by our coaches to motivate us. We, we took the yelling as, you know, we're slacking. We got to, you know, get our, get our shit together, basically. And um, I talked with some of the guys with uh, Coach Grant, and some of the guys was like, they came to me and was like, hey, big bro, like, we're not used to this. Like, we're used to somebody yelling, getting us fired up. Another thing, so you obviously, you're from Chicago. I've always been very fascinated about high school basketball in Chicago because I've met a lot of people from from the city at the University of Dayton who've talked about, you know, high school basketball in the city of Chicago and how big it is. Um, and I just want, like, kind of just give me your first-hand experience of what it was like playing high school basketball in, you know, a big city like Chicago. Um, so high school basketball in Chicago, I went to two different high schools. I had to throw that out there. Um, I went to High Park, that's on 63rd and Stony Island, and then I later transferred to Morgan Park High School. And um, the difference is, I mean, you're playing against, in, in the city of Chicago, you're playing against good teams every night, good players every night. You know, some guys that are ranked, some guys that are unknown, but the unknown guys, the main people that have chips on their shoulder. So if you didn't you know, come out there and play your A game, you know, you're going to get beat by 30. You're going to get embarrassed by by a horrible team or uh, a horrible player that doesn't have a name for themselves. That right there, they didn't make a name for themselves beating you and embarrassing your team. So, you know, it's either it's a dog-eat-dog world in Chicago. But it, it was always respect, you know, on the court, we was coming at each other's necks playing basketball, but off the court, we all supported each other and, you know, cared about each other. So when you're playing at, at Morgan Park, uh, walk us through, you know, when was the first time you heard from Dayton? You know, you heard from Archie and his staff. I think a lot of people are curious kind of how that recruiting process worked out just because, you know, you guys – Kendall and, and Scucci and you specifically, obviously Cook joined the fold afterwards, but you three guys I think are always going to be 
remembered together. And, and obviously you guys did a lot of special things individually, but that class of three, you know, you, you guys, you are who you are, you know, you guys left your mark on Dayton basketball. So I think it's a good place to, to start it off here today. And, and just, I was curious kind of when the first time that uh, you, know, you had a conversation with Archie or, or the first time you remember being recruited by him. Um, I'm trying to think today myself. Um, <laughs> and I, it's so funny. I, we have these, these stories right here. I talk with my, my father and my, and my uncle all the time about this story. Um, I think it was on the, um, we had a, um, AU game on the road. Um, EYBL just, I was out there playing, playing like I normally play. And, um, after the game, um, coach Ostrom actually, Came up to my uh, came up to my father and was having a conversation with him, and um, basically later on that night, my father came and told me like, you know, Dayton, Dayton wants you, Dayton recruiting you, Dayton, Dayton's is is really heavy on you. They like you, they like the way you play, they like the style, the style of your play, just the connection because Coach Ostrom knew somebody that my father knew. It was like they built a connection right there. And me trusting my father, it's like, okay, you know, he like he like likes the coaches, you know, and um from then on, shoot, Archie and his the rest of his staff just kept their word. Every game, every AAU game I had after that, you know, Archie and Coach Ostrom was there. They was at every game, like really recruiting hard, like uh even when they had the downtime to come come do visits, they had come to um, come to my high school and see me practice and everything. Did they did they kind of recruit you guys on like a package deal? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, were they telling you, "Hey, we got this other dude, Scoochie Smith. We got this this big boy, Kendall Pollard from Simeon. Like, we're we're gonna bring all three of you guys in together, and like you're gonna be the core of the team." Was that ever discussed, or was it just is it kind of like an individual thing where they're like, "No, nah, we just you know we want you," and then the pieces fell in place afterwards. You know, um, and I think if you talk to Kendall and Scooch, they agree with what I'm saying. Um, I was the first recruiter. I was the first first one to commit to Dayton and um it was like after that the pieces fell in place it was like hey you know I, I was having a conversation with the rest of the staff and he was like hey you know uh we we're trying to get Scoochie Smith knowing Scooch from the circuit we played against each other and everything I was like yo can I get his number so I can reach out to him and they sent me Scooch number and I was I was sitting there recruiting Scooch like hey hey Scooch like you know, you from New York, I'm from Chicago. We both played against each other. We know what we bring to the table. Hey, let's let's all let's come to date. And Scooch only main issue was Scooch wanted to be the point guard. Scooch wanted to handle the ball. I told Scooch, I said, Hey, I'm not gonna be the point guard at date. That's that's for you to run. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'll be your wingman. And that's how everything everything started unfolding like that. Scooch Scooch committed and then it was like I bet we got Scooch on board. Hey, Scooch, the last piece to the puzzle is Kendall. And you, yeah, could, and you could drive to his house in like five minutes, so that right. one, that one was easy. <laughs> well, that, it, it, it wasn't that easy though. Uh, Kendall had his mind. Kendall had his mind set on going to Rhode Island. So it's oh, like, oh. dude, I don't think anybody yeah. knows that ever. That's breaking wow. news, right? Breaking news here. <laughs> yeah, Kendall had his his eyes set on Rhode Island, so. 
me and Scooch had to really, you know, talk to him and talk to him. And, and we finally got Kendall on board. And it was like, you know, that's that's the three of us right there. We had goals already set. We told each other we want to come. All three of us knew we could add a background of winning. And we just wanted to come in and, and win. So we wanted to leave our mark on, on this on this really university on the court. And that's what we did. No doubt. That's very, uh, that reminds me of the Fab Five documentary because Juwan Howard was the first person to commit to Michigan and he started recruiting the other four members of the Fab Five to come to Michigan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of funny how that falls in line. But so <laughs> you guys, you come together, you guys are like, all right, let's do it. We're going to Dayton. You get on campus, you join a team that it's pretty established. You've got some great players like Devin Oliver, Jordan Seibert coming into the fold, Lee Sanford, you know, just to name a couple. And you guys are, you know, you're the baby-faced freshman coming in. What was that like your first couple of the weeks uh, in college basketball? Was it a big transition? Did you feel comfortable as soon as you – I mean, basketball is basketball at the end of the day. But was it more of a transition than you thought it might be? It was hell for me. <laughs> I mean, be honest. It was hell for me. Like I knew the type of player I was. It was hell though. Coming coming into a program, you know, like you said, we already had guys that was experienced. We we was the three baby baby face freshmen. So it's like, oh man. Um, to be honest, them first couple of weeks was hell for me. I couldn't make. I don't think I made a three point shot. <laughs> I, I think I airballed every three attempt I I took during them couple of weeks that we we started practicing playing their thing, but um, it was it was an easy transition for me. You know, I had my ups and downs. I think for all of us, we had our ups and downs. You know, um, some of us got opportunities sooner sooner than others. Um, but it was a great transition. The guys really taught us a lot that experience really helped us you know uh we learned a lot from the older guys and they actually helped us they molded us into something that we were trying to mold our younger class that was there with us as seniors and, and when you look back on that year because obviously after that you guys had a lot of great games great seasons um you know do you look back on that elite eight year at, like with kind of um like, like that wasn't your team type of thing. Like, obviously, you guys are long for the ride. You're in the rotation that year. But there was so much more after that. And I guess I was always curious if, if you guys three specifically kind of looked at that Elite Eight year as, like, somebody else's team and, and you want to kind of to build your team after that. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, what your mentality was after that freshman year there. I was always curious to know. No, I totally agree. We <laughs> – we was there for the ride, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we was there for the ride. I, we had fun. We, us as freshmen, enjoyed every moment of that Elite Eight year for us. Well, like, we, we, what was the best part of that Elite Eight run for as, as a freshman? Honestly, I'm be honest. Every game <laughs> in the NCAA tournament was fun for us because we'd never been to that stage before and to just be there in the moment. Just to get put in the game for a few minutes was was a okay with all of us. <laughs> yeah. No doubt, yeah, and, and I mean that's that's kind of why like the story of of the the 2017 class is so great, you know, because you guys had that start with the elite eight, and then 
you know, the, the next couple of years, there was always this like chip on their shoulder. And then by the time you guys are upperclassmen, you kind of had that like identity uh, of Dayton basketball. So would you say that kind of Archie like set the tone that year to say like, this is our identity of Dayton basketball. Like, did you guys carry that through to the years afterwards to, to kind of say like, this is how we're always going to play. This is our style. Yeah. I mean, after, after making that Elite Eight one and, and just the taste of success and, you know, the taste of almost being to the final four as a freshman and the identity of, honestly, the scrappy guys that, you know, nobody's going to count to win the game. We took that and ran with it. I think I took it more to heart than anybody personally because, in my mind, it's like, you know, we got to survive. To me, that's that's the same identity that I think all three of us had growing up, you know, to survive and adapt. Coming from Chicago, where not too many, not too many young youth make it out of Chicago, not too many make it to see 18 years old, not to go to college. Um, same thing with Scoops, yeah. being from New York just the high murder rate in both cities. So we already had that mentality of we got to go out there and be scrappy. We got to fight for what we want. Nobody's ever going to give us anything. We got to go out there and take what we want. So you, you talked about surviving and that becoming your mentality. Well, from the freshman year lead eight run with, you know, 12 he healthy bodies running in at a time to your sophomore year, where, you know, one thing leads to another, things happen, and then all of a sudden you have seven rotation guys, and all of a sudden it just becomes having your legs survive on the court. So how much of a transition was that from your first year where, you know, you were maybe getting, you know, eight to ten minutes a game or so to all of a sudden now you're playing 30-plus minutes on a nightly basis? Uh, you know, it's, it's all – to me, it was all about adapting, you know. You got to adapt to situations because if you can't adapt to a situation, you're going to fail it. You, it's either adapt. If you don't adapt to a situation, you either fail or you die. In that situation, seven players, that was Jordan Cyber's senior year. And in my mind, I wasn't going to let him go down like that. I think all our mentality was like that. We had to do this one for Jordan. So even with seven players, we was going to go out there and give it our all just for him to have a, a great senior year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we – me being Blackburn on the last podcast, you know, we were interviewing Bobby Worley. And it was so entertaining for us because he kind of said a lot of what you said from your freshman years. Like, you know, I was just along for the ride. And, I, you know, I was just kind of – I was there to be the seventh man and Blackburn and I were, were very hard to kind of push that you now you were the seventh man but you know you were a key piece of that team like he, he kept things rolling that year and, and that's what made it such a great story because you guys had the seven guys that were all coming together and and there was no rotation it was just we got our five guys if somebody's in foul trouble which was Kendall like most nights you you know you got you got to go to Daryl and and then you got to go to Bobby on the bench and that was it you know um so I've been waiting personally I know Drew has a million questions still and we're getting a few minutes in here but 
I've been waiting for years to ask you about the St. Joseph's game in the A-10 tournament, and I want to hear from the horse's mouth, did Langston Galloway push you off? Oh, yeah, he did. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, everybody knows it happened, but we just – I had to hear it straight from you who was in the middle of that play. (laughs) Yeah, everybody – and it's so funny. Looking back to that day, everybody told my – told me not to beat myself up, great defense and all that. And I, I do agree with that. It was a great defense. But at the end of the day, he pushed off, no call. He stepped back, which was a travel, no call. No call. I, oh. I, still, had a, I, I still had a chance to contest it. I got a little bit of the, the ball. I tipped the ball a little bit. But, you know, the great caliber player that he was, he got the shot off and made it. Yeah, no doubt, man. And and obviously, like, I've watched that replay a hundred times. I've sent that gift to, like, a thousand people, and I always am quick to bring it up. Like, if we have a big game against St. Joe's, you know, I'll post it somewhere or whatever because it, it's just such one – it's one of those things where you look back at a basketball game and you're thinking to yourself, you know, sometimes you're just not going to get that call. And you're right. Like, you know, you recovered on the play, got back, like, tipped it even a little bit, even with the push. Um, but – Moving forward from that game, um, and you, know, you guys obviously played played Boise, and we asked Bobby Worley about this earlier, but do you remember like what was going through your head in that selection show sophomore year when you guys figured out not only you were the last team into the field, but that you were playing at home? Yeah, it was – to all of us, it was bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's all of us. It was bullshit too. <laughs> so to the whole team, we knew it was bullshit. We knew that the the NCAA committee didn't want us there. It was bullshit. We ran with it. We took the bullshit. They put us in the bullshit. Our bullshit ass away locker room made us the away team in our home arena. So we 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 took that as disrespect. And they, they actually made you guys sit in the away locker room. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. We we they they put us in the most shittiest eyes the shittiest locker room like we, we couldn't shower in there the bathroom was horrible but we took it as disrespect and credit to the NCAA and I still take my hats off to them I thank them for that because you know they probably learned the lesson and never disrespect the University of Dayton ever like that ever again yeah. I- I would have to agree with that. And uh, you, they also asked Bobby, like, was that the loudest you ever heard the arena during that game? Was there any other game that really stuck out when it came to crowd noise? Or was the Boise game the definitive, like, loudest you ever heard the arena in your time there? Um, personally, the only – other than Boise State, to me, the loudest the, the arena ever been was out my senior night, our senior night for me, Scooch, and Kendall. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, other than that night, Boise State. Senior night was the loudest then it was Boise State to me. I don't know about Kendall and Scooch, but that night for me was the loudest night ever. Like, I can, I literally was standing on the court and could feel the court shaking from how loud the crowd was. I remember uh, flying back from Chicago on a 24-hour flight to be at that game. It was on a, it was on a Wednesday night, I believe. Um I feel like yeah, we were we were both at both of those games, so I yeah, you know, we had a, a little a little piece of that. You know, I think that 
you know, when we look back at, at that sophomore year, you're right. That Boise state game really set a precedent and, 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 I, and I'll even take it a step further, Kyle, like it didn't not, it not only set a precedent for, you know, not, you know, sleeping on Dayton, right? Because we, you know, you guys had your identity there, you know, they were perennial tournament team. And I think by the time you guys got to be juniors, you know, the national media was like, Hey, these guys have a core group. You know, they're adding some more dudes. That was when Cook was coming in. They're like, this team's going to be tough, right? You already had your identity. But on top of that, it set a precedent for the selection committee to never do something like that again, where they gave a team a perceived home game. And obviously, you know, there's the issue of the first four. And so, you know, UD will probably never play in the first four again, at least not as long as it's in Dayton. But I think the committee now moving forward – will also think twice about that first game that they, they put teams in. Because if, if you're the number one seed and, and you're, you know, UNC or you're Duke and, and you get a game in Charlotte or Greensboro, you know, those things are expected because you're the number one seed. You know, you kind of get a little bit of preferential treatment. You know, UCLA, if they're in Los Angeles, same thing, right? But I think that – and, Drew, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I think that really set a tone to say, hey, you know – it, it sucks what they did to a team like Boise because, number one, we didn't deserve to be the last team in that year, right? But number two, Boise didn't deserve to play the Flyers at UD Arena either. And, and I think that that's what really came from that season is just saying, hey, you know, we really have to take a longer look at this because it's the NCAA just kind of did it for their ratings because they could have a marquee game in the first four. And obviously it worked out for us. But after the fact and looking back at it four years later, I do have some sympathy for Boise fans. I have no sympathy for Providence fans, and I never have. But <laughs> Boise fans I definitely have, you know, a little bit of sympathy for because that was a tough situation, and they didn't really get a fair shake when, when everything was said and done, right? Well, that was the thing. The only people who were more mad than Dayton fans and Dayton players were the Boise State fans and Boise State players that they had to they're like, come on, man, what is this? Yeah. 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 And, and, and I mean, that in itself is kind of like, you know, you hate, obviously you guys made your mark in a lot of other ways, but you really made your mark in that particular fashion just to say like, hey, they can't do this to another team again, both Dayton and Boise State. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Yeah, and but and that, you know the NCAA went on and screwed us again they by did. by leaking the leaking the brackets. Oh and God! Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that actually. Leak the brackets, and then you know I, I I don't like making excuses. This is not an excuse. You can put this on record. You know <laughs> they put us they put us against a Syracuse team that shouldn't have been in a tournament. I agree. I agree. And then they end up making what? The final four that year? Did they go to the Elite Eight? Sure they did. went to the uh, – yeah, I think either the final, final four or the Elite Eight. Yep. I think it was final four. That's ridiculous. That was, I remember because Michigan State lost to – was it like Middle Tennessee State? They were two and a 15. So yeah. Syracuse – and then Syracuse just got good draws the rest of the way. Yeah, they and walked yeah. in that region. Oh, frustrating. Yeah. It now that that we're kind of moving in a logical path through through the four years, uh, I think a lot of people at Dayton will always fondly remember the Providence game. Boise, you know, for a lot of different reasons, being at home, but the narrative of the Providence game 
was how you shut down Chris Dunn. And I wanted to know if he was the best player that you ever went up against in your four years at UD. That this is crazy that you just asked me that question. My uncle, <laughs> my uncle, who is a basketball fanatic that that played the sport and all, asked me the same question. He said he pulled me to the side. He said, "Nephew, which player is the toughest player you ever had to play against in your college career?" And my exact words was Chris Dunn by far. And he shut his ass down. I say Chris Dunn was one of the hardest players to ever play against and guard because Chris Dunn never stopped his dribble. Chris Dunn was a six, in my opinion, a six five, six six point guard that was crafty, that could score at willingly, and was cold Big East Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I going into that game, I watched a lot of game film on him. And really had to prepare myself to to guard an NBA caliber player. What was your mentality that night going into the game? Like, what what were you trying to force him to do, or what? You know, what was kind of your mindset? It, it wasn't. I, I Jordan pulled me to the side and said, "Hey, little bro, this is your obstacle that's in your way right now." He said, and that's exactly what he said. He said, "Hey, you didn't you didn't play it against the best." It's time for you to show, you know, show, show the people that, you know, you can really guard elite defenders. I mean, elite players. And, you know, sticking to that point, you know, Jordan, you know, you just mentioned how Jordan pulled you to the side. I, re- I remember reading where Archie got asked, it was like, well, are you going to change anything defensively, uh, you know, to counter Chris Dunn? And he was basically just like, no, we're just going to put Kyle on him. So you have that confidence from your head coach. You can carry that onto the floor. Did that play a big factor as well, knowing that your coach and your teammates had full confidence in you that you could guard Chris Dunn without abandoning your set defensive tendencies that you guys have been, you know, deploying all year? Oh, yeah. It, 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 it had a it, – it boosted my confidence all the way up to the roof. Not <laughs> even before that game. When we was playing Boise State, and I had to guard uh, – I might – might mess up his name. I don't know his first name, but Mark. Marks, yeah. Boise State, best player. Marks, yes. In 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 them final minutes coming down to the crunch time, I look I went to the bench and I looked at Jordan and I looked at Scooch. I said, Hey, I ain't got nothing left in me. <laughs> I, and I said it. I told him, I said, I'm tired. I didn't I've been getting beat up all day. I've been getting elbows to the chest. I'm tired. They both looked at me and you built for this. You do this every night. You built for this. You got this, bro. Jordan came up to me. He said, he said, and we all in in all our interviews with seven players, we said, Kevin Gates song. I don't get tired came out. That was and the that's song. What, yep. And that's and that's everything every Jordan said to me. He said, Look, bro, we don't get tired. We got six jobs. We don't get tired. And that right there just triggered me to go to another another mode and had to push myself. And even when we played Chris Dunn, they pulled me to the side. I, I wasn't even tired when they came down to playing him. They pulled me to the side. They say, hey, you built for this. We don't get tired. We don't get tired. And that was our model with seven players. We don't get tired. No matter what, we don't get tired. Let's keep moving. And that was my motivation on Chris Dunn. 
Man, I must have listened to that song like a hundred times during that like two month period when you guys <laughs> were rolling. That was like that was like the anthem of the Flyers. Uh, that like little stretch right there. <laughs> yeah, and and going even further, even when we lost to Buddy Hill, you know, we sitting there in the locker room, tears coming down people's eyes. But you know, we had to do interviews, and they asked, "Did you run out of gas?" No, we didn't run out of gas. Yeah. We we never run out of gas, you know. We just couldn't get the job done. Didn't run out of gas. We all sat in that locker room and looked at each other. Well, none of us tight. If we if we could, if we would have went in overtime, we all would have had enough energy to get through overtime. Yeah, and and that that brings me to like one of my favorite adages in in sports when cuz you know, when when fans watch a loss of a team, you know, and and we obviously are talking about Dayton Flyers, we can use you know, use them as an example here. But fans love to say, you know, we did this wrong or we did that wrong or we couldn't play well or, you know, we didn't defend this. And, and the response for me nowadays is always the same. It's just that, hey, the other team wanted to win too. You know, they were playing as hard as they could possibly play. And so I never, I never really try to find those excuses from a team like, hey, our boys weren't ready or, you know, they, they, like you said, they got tired. Oklahoma wanted to win that game just as bad as you guys did. And, and they, you know, they just found a way. And that night, you guys just didn't find a way. And it's, you know, that's how the game goes, right? You know, you, you have those chances and, you know, you get those opportunities. And, and then sometimes they just don't fall your way. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot to be taken from that, you know, just saying like, hey, you know, this other team wanted to win too. And you know, before we move on from the – the sophomore year season and uh i i like just like the langston galloway play i was always curious if you felt like you fouled marks on that last shot that went up in the first four game did you think you got him were you like waiting for a whistle and then it never came never to be honest never waited for a whistle (laughs) and and that play jordan was jordan wanted to help me i told jordan i need no help yeah, because the play before went out of bounds, right? Like, then it got knocked right. out of bounds, and yeah. So, when I did jump, I knew he get I, – I, in my head, I was like, he got me with the pump trait, but he's not going to get this foul call. And I just threw my hand straight up. I was, I was so quick off my feet that I was able to be back on the ground with my hands up by the time he tried to draw a foul. All right, so we, we've talked – so we've gone through your first two years at UD, you know, the freshman year and the sophomore year. So you get to your junior year, you're, you're we're the upper class. We're 35 minutes in, Drew. Like we got, I, I said, we're 35 minutes in, and we, no we, it feels like we're only halfway. <laughs> right. And you get to, so you get to your junior year, and, you, you know, you guys are the upperclassmen. You're the established names coming back. What was that kind of expectation for you guys, you know? Because your sophomore year, you guys obviously played major roles, but like you said, that was Jordan Seibert's senior year. Everybody always kind of felt that was, you know, Jordan Seibert's team. You get to your junior year, and all of a sudden you're one of the core guys on the roster moving forward. So what was your expectations going into your junior year as opposed to, say, your sophomore year? Expectations didn't change. We actually – we put ourselves on a higher pedestal. It was like, hey, we came short in the A-10 tournament. Hey, this we got to the NCAA tournament. All right, now it's time. It's time. Time to add something new. What? What? What do we want next? 
We want to make, we know we want to make it back to the tournament without a doubt. But now we want to get a taste of this, this um, A-10 tournament championship. We want to taste of that. Yeah. And it happened. And I, yeah. <laughs> and so you talked about A-10. So let's, let's talk some A-10. You know, we've talked about Chris Dunn. We've talked about Marks. We've talked about Buddy Heald. Let's start you, talking about some year eight ten adversaries. You were, you were itching to get into the. Eight. I was. I know you. I were. was because it, it fascinates me. So, <laughs> you, you know, you play in the A ten and you see these guys year after year after year. So, who's somebody who was in your class? So you saw them freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. Who's somebody in the A ten that you always just loved competing against? Somebody that I always loved, um, Mo Ali Cox, and um, okay, and Jaquan and Jaquan Lewis from uh, VCU. And so, like, what, like, Mo Ali Cox, like, that wasn't necessarily a name I thought you were going to throw out there. So, like, what was it about Mo Ali Cox's game that you just loved competing? Was it just the fact that they competed just as hard and wanted it just as much as you guys did? They wanted it just as much as we did. They had the experience. He, as well as we did, had the taste of success. Um, just the phys- the physicality. Him, I can name, I'm going to name you one more person. But with Mo Ali Cox, Everybody around A10, best blocker. He's the best blocker. He, he he's the best blocker in the A10. I like that. Best blocker yeah. in A10. Well, he never blocked the shot of mine. Never blocked the layup oh, yeah. of mine. Oh yeah, I'm sure he you let him down. Yeah, I, I and it's so funny. We that's my my boy to this day. The next person I'ma name is uh EC Matthews. Oh Rhode yeah. okay. You guys had some battles against those boys. Yeah, always. Um, been battling AC Matthews ever since I I was playing a- AAU, you know, Detroit, Chicago. AC Matthews was always good competition. Uh, even when he got when he got hurt and uh towards ACL, when he wasn't playing, I I you know walked to the side and told him like, man, hey, it ain't fun when you're not out here. EC to me personally, AC Matthews brought the best out of me because you know he's a lefty shooter scorer can do it on any any anywhere on the court. So he always motivated me to take my game to another level when we played each other. And that was such a theme of, of those A ten years, you know, especially like those those last two years when you guys won the conference was, you know, it was you guys, it was VCU, and then it was always like Rhode Island trying to to work their way into the mix. And then obviously when you guys left, you know, they kind of had everybody that was a year younger so they stepped up and and you know they got their piece of the pie finally but did did you did you guys kind of have um an idea that Dayton and VCU is becoming a real rivalry by the time you left campus because I mean frankly from a fan's perspective we talk about this a lot but Dayton and VCU is now a rivalry and it's a rivalry because of what you guys did on the court and the games that you guys played, you know, between the conference championship basically being at UD Arena to decide it all, and then the actual conference championship when, when you guys lost to them. I mean, there was just so many of those back-and-forth games with VCU. And I, I guess, you know, what I'm getting to here is just – I wanted to know if you guys ever looked at that and, and kind of circled it on the schedule to be like, yo, this is the big one. You know, we're playing VCU. Like, these guys, they're going to give us everything. You know, so I never – me personally, I never did it. But I know Archie did. Yeah. Yeah, really? Archie made it personal. He marked that on his calendar and made sure that we knew what was coming. We, 
we we practiced extra hard weeks in advance to know what was coming. So yeah. he had that on his count. He had that on his calendar. For me personally, VCU was always a rivalry, but to me, every game was a rivalry. And, you know, just <laughs> every even, game was that's yeah, that's wait, the most Kyle Davis even, statement. That's even, needs to be the title of the podcast. Every game's a rivalry <laughs> to me. That's got to be the title of this podcast. But talk about from my perspective, you know, I went to school. So I'm a year younger than you, Kyle. So I got to, I was a freshman when you were a sophomore and I've grown up around Dayton basketball my entire life. So Xavier was always the rival, like from my family. Everybody always talks about, I don't like Xavier. Well, I got to school, we didn't play Xavier anymore. So I had to find one team to latch my, you know, hatred onto, I guess is what you could call it. And, you know, VCU was, you know, they were, I always saw them as our equal or our peer, and so I, I always grab being the rival. So it makes me feel validated that you talk about it and how Archie had that game circled on the calendar. So I just like to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and it's so funny. When I was getting recruited, well, when I did commit to Dayton and was still in high school, I, I witnessed Xavier and Dayton rival, rivalry game there at UD. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to feel the atmosphere of of that rivalry and wish that that rivalry was still going on. Oh, trust me, me too. I wish I, the Dayton-Xavier rivalry, if we had played all four years while you guys were in school there, those would have been some really, really fun games. But you know some I take that back because we did play Xavier in a championship. <laughs> so nice. I was at and that I- tournament. <laughs> I was at that tournament, and my flight home was the day of the championship game, so I missed it. And I was like, "Well, we're, we're going to miss it. Hopefully, hopefully we win." Land on the land, uh, land back in Dayton. Look at my phone, see the final score, and just went shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but that issue with that game was the younger class didn't understand that rivalry. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Us, uh, me, Kendra, Scooch knew about the rivalry. We knew the guys that we was gonna we we was gonna bump heads with them Big East players. They gonna talk shit just like we talk shit. Who gonna talk shit the most? Whoever talks shit the most gotta back it up. <laughs> and that night, Xavier was sitting there punking punking half of the team. I'm not gonna say they they bitched half of the team. <laughs> and, 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 and you know the the guys even even some of the Xavier guys out the game came up to me joking about like yeah like we whooped that ass, <laughs> but I then like I told him I said hey <laughs> if we ever have to meet each other again it's gonna be the same energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So you you talked about you talked about shit talking. So who was the best? Who was the best? Like I asked you about the best players you guarded. Who was the best shit talker you played against on the court? Best shit talker. Man, that's a tough one. But we Not only ask the good questions here, man. We only ask the tough questions. <laughs> no, nobody really talked shit. Talked shit to me personally. Nobody. Um, <laughs> one person. Um, Kavanaugh, that went to um, <laughs> the white George guy from GW. No yes. way. Yes. And I still have the I have the two picture frames where <laughs> he was talking shit to me. And I told her I slapped the fuck out of him. I still had a picture frame. And 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 you could in the picture frame you see my facial expression laughing at him. 
and you got and, and you see Kendall and Scooch behind me that got my back. That's that who always has my back. So, <laughs> man, you could you could have asked me like who do you think I'm gonna say right now, and I could have listed off. 50 a 10 players before i would have got to that guy for real he's got the the rec specs goofy looking motherfucker and like his game was like real it wasn't smooth you know everything he did was just like real ugly but he was he was a good player and i just i'm baffled by that i am baffled by that too was that xavier game the only game of your career where you remember that you were just like damn like we just got embarrassed it was there another game that you felt like you know, you stepped on the court with another team, and you're like, damn, like, they just flat out whooped our ass. <laughs> My freshman year at St. Joe's. <laughs> oh, I remember that game. Yeah. What was it about uh, St. Joe's, man? Uh, the, the, the big man had, what, had three ESPN highlights on Duncan on almost every single one of us. <laughs> speaking speaking oh, of ESPN highlights, we're going to rewind here a little bit back to your freshman year. How does it make you feel to know that you're the only, like, Dayton player in the last five years to make Jay Billis jump out of his seat with that dunk against Cal and Maui? Oh, man. It's a great feeling. Uh, it, it's so funny. After that whole tournament, and a lot of people don't know, I, I, I fucked around and went out there and stepped on some coral. My foot was messed up that day. I, I, I fucked myself totally up enjoying that 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 Maui trip but um <laughs> met, met Jay Billis in the um in the airport and took a picture with him he wanted to take a picture with me actually and he was like hey you, you look a lot taller on tv than in person this is funny to me because like it was amazing you just skied through the lane and then all of a sudden you literally could hear Jay Billis just jump out of his chair and it's just it's an image and it's a sound I'll just never I'll never forget Best feeling. One of the best feelings of my life right there. <laughs> I had to go look up that, that St. Joseph's game you were talking about because I had, had it in front of me. It was a 26-point 20, loss that night. That was, that was bad. This is February 2014 in St. Joe's. So here's a, a good trivia question for the night. We can hit the music on trivia. What – was your record against St. Joe's in your four years? Hold on, let me think about it. You said, what was my record? What was the record that you guys had four years against St. Joe's, seven games? We always do a yeah. trivia question for the night if you're not familiar. So this is our trivia question tonight. Okay, our uh, record was St. Joe's. We only won three games of, out of my four years against St. Four, four games. Drew, you want to take a stab at it? I'm gonna. I keep. I keep going back. To, I think he was right the first time. I keep going back to three. Neither of you are correct. You have two and five against St. Joe's. Two Damn. And five. <laughs> two and five. <laughs> what was it about St. Joe's? Like you guys could just never beat them. What was it about them? I think you know something. The head coach had our number. Head coach yeah. had our number. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, shoot, the playing at St. Joe's. Oh my God, that's a small gym. Yeah, it's like Fordham. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I said that to somebody recently. I said I I didn't think about this until like the last week, but Phil Martelli just joined the Michigan staff with Juwan Howard, 
So Archie's going to have to play Phil Martelli twice a year still to this day. <laughs> and he's going to get that <laughs> lunch taken. <laughs> like, he never figured out how to be Phil Martelli. And here he is still playing him years later, man. I don't know. He might have the number now. He, he, he might have. He might have it. He, he might. might. I just say might. Might. We'll find out. Yeah. Do you, uh, you still keep in touch with Archie? You talk to him? Yeah. Um, I was. It's so funny. My brother sitting right next to me in the car, and I told him, I said, "Hey, maybe after uh, after TBT ends, uh, maybe we stop in uh, stop there, Indiana, and see Archie and everybody if they're in town." If you could say so. Everybody that's listening to the cast right now, you know, are Dayton basketball fans, and everybody has their own misconceptions or things that are correct about Archie. I mean, we had Bobby on the cast, and he said that he doesn't even have a good story about Archie. But I guess I was curious, if you want anybody, like Dayton fan, to know one thing about Archie, what would it be? Archie loved Dayton. He yeah. loved Dayton. He loved Dayton. He loved the program. He loved the fans. Archie was a true, genuine guy. He thought about he thought about his players as family. He not only looked at us as basketball players, he looked at us as family. So at the end of the day, Archie was preparing us for the for life after after basketball. And a lot of people, you know, give or take, a lot of a lot of Dayton fans were were mad about the decision he made to leave there. Me personally, I can't be mad. Because he came there to Dayton and changed the whole program around. He actually put not only him but us as players helped put Dayton back on the map. And you right. can't you can't fault a man for that. Absolutely, I I, I agree with that. So 100%. we got a, we got a little bit of time left. I'm I'm gonna get a little fun here. So let's oh. say let's take your senior year starting five, Kyle. Okay, <laughs> your starting five would have been let's see, like Scooch, you, Cook, Kendall, and who was running five senior year for you guys? Who was Josh that? Cunningham? Josh Cunningham. That's you're right for a minute. You forgot there because he game two he was already out. But yeah, right, yeah, that's right. So let's let's take that five and you go up against the starting five from your freshman year. So you're looking at Kari Price, Seibert, Deshaun, Matt Cavanaugh, and Devin Oliver. Our only play, you guys play a best of seven series. <laughs> Who wins the series and in how many games? I take my senior class as winning the series. And we taking it all the way to game seven. Okay. I like that. That's a good answer. That's a very good answer. Yeah. And it brings, it brings me to a good point. Because we've asked a lot, of, a lot of the good questions, a lot of the triumphs. And, and I said this right after you guys were done after the Wichita State game that, you know, the, the four years you guys had on campus were fantastic. And, and I'm glad you said that about Archie because I think a lot of people – appreciate what he did for our program and we will always be in a better place because of those years that he was there and I don't think anybody faults him for what he did if you if you really fault the man for going to Indiana from Dayton you're kind of losing the big picture of college basketball and how you take those steps forward but 
I was wondering it, when you look back at junior and senior year, you know, it, was there kind of a sour taste in your mouth of, of just, you know, I wish we would have accomplished more, you know, I wish I had done that or wish I would have done this. I mean, I know, obviously we're not talking about living with regrets, but you know, you guys went out unceremoniously in junior, senior year in the tournament, and that's going to be attached to the story of the four years just as much as all the triumphs and the two conference championships. So I was just wondering if you guys ever had that in your mind, like, man, you know, I wish you know, we could have gone a little bit further or done this or that. I, I think about it every day. Even though I have – we didn't made a big legacy for ourselves. We didn't, we didn't broke history, made names for ourselves. I look back at it and always say, man, I wish we would have got further in the tournament. Man, I wish I would have had a chance to get to the the platform of the Final Four. Man, I wish we could have even had a chance to win the NCAA championship. Of course. What what was was the locker room like after Wichita State? The chance of well, I, you said, what was the locker room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, well, you got somebody in your ears. So now I'm curious where that, that was going down. What? <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I stumbled over my words. Yeah. Because he said we had, we had a chance to, to, to win it. We did. You did. Yeah. We, we had a chance to win it, but y'all did good. Like when y'all made it, y'all did good. Like you, <laughs> you sometimes you can't look at life and be like, I can do better. Sometimes the niggas was better. Yeah. I, I, let's just be honest. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't got nothing to do with it. your coaching, your scheme, you hustling. They have better players. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all got four, five good players. They got 17 of them bitches. <laughs> <laughs> they got niggas on the bench that can play on y'all team. You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So you can't look at it like it's just, I wish I would have done more. Yeah. I mean, y'all did what y'all could do. Like, right. it's like looking at Golden State. Niggas wanted to beat them. They got <laughs> yeah. too many good players. Like, <laughs> right. It ain't got nothing to do with y'all. Like, bro, like. That's what I'm and, saying, man. Like, we were talking about earlier, you know, the other team wants I mean, to win just as bad as you guys do. Yeah. And for all, the, for all the listeners to the podcast, that was my brother, Ricardo. <laughs> Always been there. Special guest appearance. Been there. <laughs> Another special guest, yeah, always been there support me and still support me now professionally. Always love to hear that. Y'all at the games? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course oh, yeah. we were. I was yeah. I was there at the Wichita game. We were at the we were at the Syracuse game in St. Louis. Um yeah, and and so yeah, man, I, I guess it's a good place to, to to close the book. But you know what what was that those final you know, that final locker room, like, in Wichita and in Indianapolis, you know, what, what was there anything said? Did you have to say anything? I mean, you know, just like we're saying right now, we all know you guys left it on the court, and I just always bring it up because, it, like I said, it is part of the story. And for better or for worse, you know, that's the story of the four years. And, and uh, you know, w- what was that moment like for you guys? I mean, I was – I had to let it soak in. Um, I kind of – I, I teared up a little bit. I kind of held my emotions back. And, you know, I watched uh, Scooch and Kendall ball their eyes out. Um, yeah. And it it just, just set in like, hey, <laughs> I will never, no longer be able to play college basketball. Yeah. This was my last go around right here. 
So it it was a painful feeling, but you know, you take you as I set as I as I'm getting older now and looking back at it, like like y'all said, I don't have no regrets. I look back at it. I had a a, a great career. We had a great career, actually. No doubt. Because no I doubt. know I'm pretty sure not too many people from where we're from, from our hometowns that play basketball can say that they had a, a, a crazy college career like we did. I, I agree, man. And and now that you guys are a few years removed and, you know, you're on your professional career, you know, you're playing with some Dayton guys back together. And, and, and you know, I know I speak for a lot of Dayton fans and saying that we follow you wherever you go as far as professionally. And, you know, we're always, you know, rooting for you, whether you're overseas or, or elsewhere. But, you know, is it easier to appreciate now when you look back at those days to, to kind of say, hey, that, you know, we made a mark on the program. You know, this, is, this was our program and, and our legacy kind of took the program to the next level. Is it, is it easier to appreciate that nowadays? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's always appreciative. I just – and then when I look back at it and you see them players that don't know the legacy that you left and you watch games and watch them have as – giving effort out there <laughs> on that court, but you wearing that, that, that Dayton logo across your chest or the Dayton name across your chest, and I, I sit back and watch and be like, damn, like, you can at least go a little bit harder because, <laughs> shit, we blood, sweat, and tears out here for this. <laughs> and Archie be on their ass if he saw that kind of effort, you know? Man, I, I, I look at it like this. The only person that never had surgery was Scooch out the three of us. Kendall got hurt, giving his all, had surgery. I didn't have, I had two surgeries, and going into my junior and senior year, I had two different surgeries on both hands, and then I also got my chip to uh, my my tooth chip. How did you chip your tooth, man? Marshall Henderson from Mississippi. Mississippi. Yep. So he hit you with an elbow or something? It chipped your tooth. A pump, a, uh, it wasn't even a pump trade. He, uh, he was trying to go, trying to bully his way into the lane and threw his head directly into my chin and chipped my, my tooth. Oof. And they called the offense about. Well, at least you got the call. <laughs> Definitely did. That's the, matter of fact, that's the shot that Demo banked that half court for game. <laughs> that guy played in Iraq for a couple of years I, and and I've, I couldn't think of a player more suited to play basketball in Iraq than Marshall Henderson <laughs> man a wild guy yeah he is wild guy indeed he's a wild guy for sure man um well I we're we're running up against an hour man and, and we know you're driving back to Dayton and and obviously Kyle like we we love the the time that you spent with us I mean we, we want to do it again hopefully you can find time to do it again I know you got you know, ball to play overseas once uh, the summer's over here and whatnot. But uh, the last question I had for you, and it, it, it's going back to Archie Miller. I want to know the the worst that Archie ever laid into you. Like, what was the worst you ever got it from him? The worst Archie ever laid into me was my senior year out in um, out in L.A. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was at the um, Thanksgiving tournament, right? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> We had just lost to, to Nebraska. To Nebraska. And um, we were sitting there watching film. And during film, Archie stopped film and looked at me. 
and said, you motherfucker right here. You right here. Looked at me, pointed at me, had, had the, the laser pointed at me. He said, you have your head so far up your ass. <laughs> Stuck up, stuck on your path, on the past success that you you had. You still got motherfuckers kissing your ass about what you did in the past. We're not in the past no more. This is going into your senior year, and you out here playing like shit on defense. You let motherfuckers and these is exact words. The way I'm talking, he said you letting these motherfuckers, <laughs> these these sophomores blow fucking past you. You supposed to be one of the elite defenders in the country and you letting these motherfuckers blow past you. <laughs> it's either you get your it's either you get your shit together, I sit you on that motherfucking bench, or I put my foot so far up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's the sound Archie we don't hear, man. That's incredible. That's, yeah. <laughs> the raw, uncut oh. version of what he said. And <laughs> what hurt the worst? He wasn't. He wasn't wrong. He was right. right. Yeah, he was absolutely correct. <laughs> he was right, but he he embarrassed me in front of my whole team, and I I knew where he was coming from, and I took them words, and actually, <laughs> the words was motivating because we played um, Mike Brown's son the next game. Yeah. What was the next game after Portland? Oh no 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 New Mexico yeah yeah we yeah. We played yeah. New Mexico State. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and that right there just was ringing in my head and, you know, came out there, had a good game. But I knew Archie personally said them words to really motivate me and to really let me know, like, hey, we all know what, what was done in the past. It's about what, what we're trying to accomplish now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think those words by Archie Miller are, are a good point to wrap up. So, Kyle, I, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, we really – I think I speak for Soli when I say we really appreciate it. Like I said, I was in school when, when, you know, when you were playing on the team and you were always one of my favorite players to watch because you played your heart out every night on the floor and I always knew we could count on Kyle to bring the juice. So, uh, thank you for joining us, man, and uh, good luck to you and the TBT and to wherever, wherever else your career takes you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all having me on the show. And I'm willing to do any other podcast y'all want me to do. I'm yeah. free. I'm open. All you got to do hey, is you, Anytime me. you got an open invite on this podcast, my friend. Yeah, uh, everybody wants to hear it. Just send me a message and I'll get on the podcast. You got yeah. it. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.